0: two thousand zero zero party that over oops out of time <laughs> bow, bow, shh, bow, bow, bow. tonight we're gonna party like the cards, cards in your 99, 99. Bow, 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 shh, bow, bow. cards in your 99
1: you know we're taking a risk whenever we cover someone like prince <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. what's up everybody you're watching slash listening to the In the 99 bah, 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 bah. <laughs> review of the cards from Midnight Hunt. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong.
0: How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Doom. Yep. Today, we're going to be talking about all the cards that are not legendary creatures and can therefore go in the 99 mm-hmm. of your decks. We're going to say, uh we're going to talk about wh- the ones we think we're going to make the biggest splash in the format of Commander. But before we get into all that, we got to talk about our brand new sponsor, which is ChannelFireball.com slash Command. You know... We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about the upcoming launch of the Channel Fireball Marketplace and now we can talk about it as if it has already launched because it is here. It's finally here. It's Yay. gone live. So, Channel Fireball has a new thing they're doing. The way they're selling singles and stuff like that is on their marketplace, Channel Fireball marketplace. And this is really great. They're doing some things that um, nobody else is really doing. They're vetting the sellers mm-hmm. on their marketplace. So, you know you're going to be dealing with professionals. They require a business license to... like. To even be a seller on their site you can't just be like a random person that's selling you know your own singles which i really like because listen for other marketplaces ebay and things like that we know that sometimes you get um you get service that is not great like they they put you know they don't package the cards very well. Sometimes when they send them or it takes forever to get to you that kind of stuff
1: yeah and there's no hate on people that want to sell cards individually not at all. if you're on ebay or anywhere else but you know As Magic players, we place orders sometimes in larger quantities and having some assurance that goes along with it is important, especially because it's peace of mind. I've had a lot of packages disappear. In fact, just today, I was trying to figure out one that was delivered apparently back in August, but I never saw it. So stuff with verified shipping, stuff with tracking, all of those things come with dealing with people that are in a more professional setting.
0: For sure, for sure, for sure. And one thing I also like about the fact that you know the vendors have business licenses, that means a lot of them are LGSs. Mm-hmm. So that you get you do get to support local gaming stores by yeah. ordering uh, through Channel Fireball Marketplace. So definitely go over there and check it out. They're giving away a bunch of stuff too for the first month. Of course, encouraging people to try the service for the f- for the first time. Yeah. So you know you may as well just be entered to win free stuff like uh, signed foil promo soul rings that jimmy and i we we signed a bunch of them and sent them over to channel fireball so you have a chance to win those that's what we call value that's what we call value and then when you get the cards back from channel fireball marketplace you want them to stay in really good condition good segue and and the best way to protect (laughs) all of your game pieces is with ultra pro products uh eclipse sleeves some of the best sleeves on the market we've got ultra pro play mats here in front of us we always use those keep the cards
1: uh mm-hmm. clean you don't want to just be playing them on the sidewalk sidewalk like i used to said <laughs> oh yeah right on the gravel even yeah. you know even if you are playing it on the gravel if you put it in a sleeve it'll have a much higher chance of sustaining zero damage that's true eclipse sleeves are really sturdy i would uh, you know i think i'd still use a play mat though yeah. but um
0: <laughs> and then of course you know they got satin tower deck boxes mythic co- mythic collection stuff that's I love uh that. yeah the, the embroidered uh high high class material stuff so ultra pro really is the best
1: way to protect all your game pieces yep. and all the greatest art as well from magic and the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone we love our patrons we talk to them on discord every single day they get to see all episodes of game nights and extra turns a day early ad free so if you want to be part of that cool crowd go on over patreon.com slash command zone and we shout out one lucky patron every single episode so this week's episode is dedicated to, to elias shank, shank. And... <laughs>
0: Oh. Elias, you rock. <laughs> you lo- you rock like Prince. Man, you that's a rock. pretty
1: high compliment. Yeah, that's, that. that's probably the highest compliment we've ever paid to anyone. <laughs> All right, let's move on into the 99 review of Midnight Hunt. Now, we're doing things a tiny bit differently this time around. Normally, we go and cover as many of the cards as we can in every single niche category of this goes in this deck. Here's this niche strategy that only works in one way, but maybe this card works for it. We, it ends up being like three or four videos in the past. Yeah, and we all know we're getting that burnout just as much as you are in terms of the set reviews. So today we're going to actually just be focusing as much as we can on the cards that we think are genuinely the most interesting or the closest to a commander staple and maybe a couple of fringe cards that maybe look a little better than they look.
0: Yeah, uh, we're just not going to talk about cards that are pretty obvious to us yeah. at least. So like you don't need us to tell you that like the zombie lord goes in the zombie deck or like mm-hmm. something with an ETB goes in the blink deck. Obviously those things are true. So we're really just going to concentrate concentrate on what we think are kind of the important cards you're going to probably see very often or a few things where it's sort of questionable they're hard to evaluate
1: yeah exactly and we want to continue that discussion of the cards that we didn't talk about online so hit us up in the comments twitter everywhere else and that's a great place to bring up things that maybe we missed or glossed over and i think that's a better way to sort of cover things that are more niche anyway
0: yeah we're always looking for your feedback you know we're trying something new here if it's something you like or don't like let us know and and definitely continue the conversation about cards we didn't talk about or cards we we did yeah. All right. Well, let's start off with the returning and new mechanics here. We've covered this a little bit in our other reviews for like the multicolored, so we'll mm-hmm. go through it fast. Uh, the first new mechanic is Coven. This just cares about you having three creatures with different powers on the battlefield. Uh, and then sometimes it's like when you attack, it'll... Get lifelink. Yeah. Sometimes it also, it activates uh, or it it enables an activated ability. It's not always on attack or
1: anything like that, mm-hmm. but it's basically
0: just like, do you have three creatures? Do they have different power? Okay, you can do this thing.
1: Yep. If you watch the Game Nights game, Voxy's Commander was all about this and let her draw humans from her deck for doing so. Yep. The next new mechanic is the Daybound, Nightbound cycle. So it's a new way that to thematically work with the werewolves and the wolves that are in this set, and it's a card that when cards will say Nightbound or Daybound and when that card ends in the battlefield, it creates the Day-Night cycle, and then you track it for the rest of the game. If it's Day, you don't cast any spells during your turn, when you pass the turn, it turns to Night. And then the cards will flip as well or enter on that side, and if it's Nighttime, you cast two spells to turn it back to day. We go
0: through the daybound, nightbound rulings. It it can get a little intricate on the fringes, so Mm -hmm. you might want to watch that for clarity on how it works. Um, I wanted to note, one-off werewolves, like just a regular deck, and you're just going to put one werewolf in it, they don't tend to be very good. Because... Uh, in a multiplayer situation, you have three other players that can kind of control the day-night cycle mm-hmm. and can um, cast the, spells. <laughs> two or spells choose not easily. to or right. whatever. And so it's a lot harder for you to like pass the turn and, and have it come back to you on whatever day or night that you want. Yeah. Uh, so in general, you want an entire deck that's focused around controlling the day-night cycle, it has cards in there that says don't let things transform, or you know, let you choose, or whatever. So in general, we're not going to talk a lot about werewolves on this episode, because
1: they're only good in werewolf decks for the most part. Yeah. So it goes. Uh, another new mechanic is Decade. It's a new keyword that makes you sacrifice the creature at the end of combat when they attack. So almost always this ability only appears on 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens. And we played limited now. Do you like Decade? I don't, actually. I, I think I was m- misevaluating it a little
0: bit before having played with it, in that I think Decade makes the creature significantly less powerful yeah. than it would be if it didn't have Decade. In my mind, it was pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that it can't block is another part of Decade, mm-hmm. and that is easy to gloss over. Um, the fact that it can't block is really big, and the fact that it just goes away if, if you attack with it one time... Um, it's a bummer. Yeah. So it, it does make... I, I think Decade zombies are, like not even worth of an entire card yeah not even worth a very much portion of a card whereas a 2-2 zombie kind of
1: is close the decade that we do like the most of is on gisa we talked yep. about in the monocolor mm-hmm. review because she brings back any creature that dies with decade so you can just get those etps or have a consecrated Sphinx just sitting there and you don't need to attack with it
0: all right and then the final mechanic is a returning one is flashback it just allows you to cast the the spell almost always an instant or sorcery from your graveyard for an alternate cost usually uh, it costs more to flash it back um yep so that just means you can use your spell twice All right, let's get into the cards here. We're going to start with the
1: new Planeswalkers. Hooray. There are three of them. Okay, the first one is one that people are probably sick of seeing, but you know what? He controls time itself, so I guess he can be in any set he wants to. It's Teferi who slows the sunset. Two, a white, and a blue for a four-loyalty Planeswalker with three abilities, plus one. This was a long one. Choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, and up to one target land. Untap the chosen permanents you control, Tap the chosen permanent you don't control. You gain two life. That's dandy. Minus two. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. And the minus seven, you get an emblem with untap all permanents you control during each opponent's untap step, and you draw a card during each opponent's draw step. Wow. Teferi, who has way too much text as normal. So that's
0: way too much text. Um, yeah. Is this Teferi, I think, on the surface... Doesn't look as strong as some of the past fairies, but mm. it can still do some really powerful things and can still sort of combo off. It's interesting how you can target your opponent's stuff to tap and it'll it tap it down, or your stuff to untap it. I like that flexibility. Probably uh, makes it good in like
1: stacked decks with Winter Orb and Static Orb and stuff like that. Yeah, that's um, where I think this is the best, is because you are untapping artifacts, creatures, and lands. So combo tastic. Think of like Stasis.
0: You know, you can untap your land so you can peek keep paying for stasis, and then tap down an artifact and a creature from your opponents to just mm-hmm. kind of keep them from being able to do anything. Like, even if they get something out, you tap it down, and now it won't tap. Rough. So, yeah, that's, uh, of course, stacks is one way to go. There's also, like, combo-y stuff, like you mentioned. Um, it kind of can do similar things to what Temporal Archmage, the Teferi. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. so there's a Teferi sort of CEDH uh, Chain Veil deck. I actually have that deck. It's, it's old, so I don't think it's, like, Tier 1 anymore, but it basically tries to get Chain Veil out. And then some artifacts and or, in this case, you could be lands and creatures included here Mm -hmm. that you can untap and pay for the Chain Veil over and over. So I'll read Chain Veil because it also works with this Teferi. four mana artifact legendary at the beginning of your end step if you did not activate a loyalty ability of a planeswalker this turn you lose two life but you can pay four tap the chain veil and for each planeswalker you control you may activate one of its loyalty abilities once this turn as though none of its loyalty abilities have been activated this turn okay. so if the artifact you've chosen with teferi who shows the sun slows the sunset is chain veil and the land and the creature you untap with it can produce you know at least four mana then you're in business here because you can now untap the chain veil and have enough mana to pay for it over and over
1: yep so uh if you're in bant which a lot of people have been suggesting you can have a bloom tender which taps for sometimes up to four or five mana Uh, you can have any land and then the chain veil and you activate it forever but you also if you just have like a bounce land or an ancient tomb or scorched ruins or a lows field any land that a lot you could even like market festival on a land which is something i love to do anything that makes a land tap for like three or four mana yeah, so this is obviously very good. Uh, the plus one could also be seen as a way to give a creature vigilance so that it can kind of protect Teferi uh, if you, like, go and attack with it and then untap it. Um, but in general, I think people are going to be using this in combo decks. Even just untapping a Grim Monolith or a Mana Vault or yeah. any of those types of cards that cost mana to tap Basalt Monolith um, is going to be pretty powerful. So this Teferi looks to be powerful, but also looks to not necessarily go in every single deck that can play White-Blue. You want to, I think, be more combo and do more degenerate things with it. As Teferi does. As generally does. That's just
0: Teferi's brand. Thanks, Teferi. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the next Planeswalker. It is Arlen. She's back. Arlen, the Pax Hope. Two red, green, so four mana for a four loyalty Planeswalker. She has Daybound. So uh, if a player casts no spells during their turn, it will become night. Um... She has a plus one ability. Until your next turn, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash, and each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. And then she has a negative three, and, you, and the negative three is create two 2-2 two, two green wolf creature tokens. Hmm. Now she has daybound, which means that she has a night side. She can be flipped over, and her nightbound side is a plus two of add a green and a red to your mana pool. Wow. And she has a zero ability of until end of turn Arlen becomes a five five werewolf creature with trample indestructible and haste okay that that backside feels like gideon to me
1: it does and the front side feels a little bit like vivian by giving the creatures flash the play pattern here is play arlen gibian Gibian play Arlen hope it gets back to your turn just plus one her giving Arlen creature's flash and then pass the turn instantly turning her to nightbound uh, but i think that's not really going to happen that often uh, in You're going to make two wolves, right? Yeah, you're going to make two wolves. You're not going to sort of pay for mana plus one and hope she doesn't die. Um, but yeah, i mean four mana for a two wolf creature isn't the worst in the world, but it doesn't seem amazing cuz if it does if it's nighttime she enters on the nightbound side. And then she just becomes either gives you two mana or you can make her into like a beater. But that doesn't Neither seem... Neither is great in Commander, right? Yeah, the, you, the, you, the, you never the see Gideon creation really. is the best part. You, you don't see Gideon to that degree. You see the Gideon that makes people attack it to control things. You don't really see Gideon because you just want something that's a 5-5. Five, five.
0: Right, five damage is not enough in our format. It's, it's a yeah. token creation that's good, but it's so expensive in that it's negative three and she starts with four loyalty to get her back up to get another two tokens. Yeah. And I don't think you are going to play a spell in Commander that's like, Four mana, make two tokens, that's it. Uh, and then also the fact that, honestly, like I don't even know if you would really want her to flip that often, right? Like You'd no. rather her be on the token creation side. I guess she
1: she ramps you, she makes some mana on the other side, so maybe you do that. I don't know, she just doesn't seem that great to me. If you're making the werewolf deck, you can definitely put this in there, otherwise I wouldn't get too excited about it. Uh, the next is Ren and Seven, very cute. Uh, three green, green for a legendary planeswalker, Ren. You can plus one... It, <laughs> i guess it's like a creature beast uh it comes with five loyalty. by the way the plus one is reveal top four cards of your library put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard uh the zero on red and seven is put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped the minus three is create a green tree full creature token with reach and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control and the minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with you have no maximum hand size. So the plus one, you can draw as many lands as you reveal. The zero, you put any number of lands on the battlefield tapped. And the minus three, you're making like a, a struct, but this case for lands. A land struct so
0: a card
1: this reminded me of is jod z who i played on game nights on the flip side is journey to the oracle which basically says the same thing you put any number of lands onto your battlefield on, from your hand onto the battlefield but in this case not tapped
0: it seems like the most powerful thing that ran and seven has going on there is some card draw and self mill going on with that plus one um yeah there's a bunch of cards that go well with that put all the lands from your hand into your uh Uh, onto the battlefield there's stuff like Storm Cauldron which is a five mana artifact and it says each player may play an additional land during each of his or her turns but whenever a land is tapped for mana return it to its owner's hand Yeah. so this is a way for you oh I don't care I'll tap all my mana then I'll that'll come back to my hand but then I'll replay it and it actually is great because i don't think Ren and seven says they end oh no, no they, they do, do. Yeah. they end up about for Ren and fast,
1: seven yeah. they do but that also, they don't yeah but storm cauldron basically makes everyone else not be able to play the game because it locks them out because they can't tap their lands otherwise it bounces it their hand
0: yeah every time they play a spell that's three cmc or more they actually lose mana on the battlefield for
1: the next turn yeah now obviously if you had that thing that untap stuff when it comes in that'd be great in yeah this kind of deck oh amulet vigor amulet vigor yeah. yeah
0: uh maloku seems really good there's one you put down jimmy
1: yeah it's a four and a blue flyer you can pay one to return the lane you control it to its owner's hand to create a one one blue illusion creature token so you can pay the mana and then use yeah. that Lamb, to bounce yeah. the land bounce every single land on the battlefield that you have and then rendon seven bops it all back onto the battlefield so kind of like you know you don't lose the lands necessarily uh i put down sunder Oh, three nice. blue
0: blue instant return all lands to their owner's hand. That's actually a really good play. I should have put this in my
1: Chotzi deck now that I think no, about it. No, you should not
0: have. It's mean. <laughs> it's mean, but it is the fact that if Ren and Seven's out and you bounce everybody else's lands and yours, yeah. but then go zero, put mine back out, and everybody else is stuck to one land per turn, you're pretty much going to win that game. you just one-sided Armageddon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that part's pretty interesting. I, I think Ren and Seven, it's a lot of mana. It's five mana to get that thing out. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't know that we're actually going to see it that much.
1: Yeah, I don't think so.
0: Okay. There's a couple cycles in the set. That's all the Planeswalkers, by the way. There's a couple of cycles in the set, which we will talk about briefly here. There is an adversary cycle. Um...
1: So this is a this, these are all creatures that have a similar ability similar to Strive, which allows you to pay an additional mana cost when they enter the battlefield like and kicker too. Yeah, a little bit like kicker. And then when you do, you do X times that thing. So maybe it's plus one plus some counters or you get an additional effect that Oh no, no, actually I think it's always adding plus one plus some counters, and then there's an additional effect that varies from color to color. So Yeah, the we'll, effect
0: based on how many counters you put on.
1: Correct. Yeah. So we'll read through just the names and then we'll just give a brief description of all of them. Whites is intrepid adversary. It's basically a Lord gives plus one, plus one to other creatures on, based on how many counters is on it. The blue one is spectral adversary. It's the best one by far. It has flash and allows you to phase out artifacts, creatures, and, or enchantments. So this is like, insta- you get to pick one thing per counter that put went on it. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It's instant speed protection in blue in this kind of like weird phasing out way. I guess they're just really bringing out, bringing back phasing. I think they've learned that phasing is actually pretty good
0: in a commander setting and that it doesn't cause any TB to go off. Yeah. But it, can be used as on defense and offense too right phase it out for to get rid of a blocker or they can't use it or use it on your own stuff so to save it
1: black is tainted adversary this makes decayed zombies which we don't like and
0: for some reason costs more yeah than the other ones the other ones are one in a color and this is two in a color
1: maybe to balance it for limited who knows Uh, i guess the red one's also two in a color yeah red is bloodthirsty adversary this lets you cast spells from a graveyard with man value three or less but it costs yeah, yeah but it costs a lot to do well it's three mana value or less and you got to pay three
0: mana per kicker yeah basically to um ca- cast instant sorceries but you are reusing it's kind of like um passing flames but like
1: there might be some combos here yeah. yeah and then green is primal adversary which turns your lands into three three wolf creatures yeah the blue
0: one is definitely the best one because it's protection and it also could be used on offense you can and as flash yep so you can flash it in and if you pay six mana you can basically phase out two things And it's only artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you could turn off a key enchantment for, you know... Oh, that's right, for someone else. For someone else during the the whole rotation of the table. If somebody goes to board wipe, you can be like, boom, flash this in, save two or three things. Uh, Yeah, it's got a little bit of a Teferi's Protection vibe to it. Not the full-on thing, obviously. But... Blue often also holds mana open, so the fact that you can do that with like a card draw spell in your hand or have this just in case somebody, somebody board it goes drive, wrong, yeah. Yeah, it definitely makes it, I think, more versatile than sort of the other ones. I think the red one's also decent uh, in that just reusing your three CMC spell Instance and
1: sorceries it, cheating of mana cost yeah, it can be good yeah i like the point you made about blue because you are holding up sometimes five mana six mana counter spells at this point and yeah there are very powerful ones but you know if you don't do anything with that counter spell then having a spectral adversary or whatever might be able to give you that extra flex
0: yeah it might be like nobody did anything crazy but on the end step before my turn I'm gonna flash this in and get rid of a couple of key things out on the board so
1: that i know i'm safe or can do things on my turn yeah or that's actively stopping me from doing my strategy let yeah. me get rid of that and i'll continue going or upkeep get rid of your great hinge stop using it for this turn we have to slow this player down as much as possible. Yep. Uh, Okay, and the second cycle is called the Vision Cycle. So, in
0: the Set Boosters, they released some cards, and we'll be talking about a few of them, where this is the only place you can get them is in Set Boosters. And there's a cycle in the Set Boosters, again... Or the
1: Channel Fireball Marketplace.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, There's a cycle uh, here where they're all sorceries. Um, They have varying costs, but they all flashback for 10 mana. But their flashback costs can be reduced by the cmc of your commander
1: is that right yeah on the battlefield or in the command zone so if you so each of them the flashback is eight generic mana and then for all the colors it's either white white blue blue black black red red or green green but if you have a commander in the command zone or on the battlefield, then that ten, then that eight and then the colors is reduced by the amount of mana value right, of The your generic commander. mana is reduced. Yeah. So if your commander is Brig Brigamos, which I believe is an eight CMC commander or eight mana value commander, then this just costs a uh, These cards can be a reward for playing a high CMC commander.
0: Like if yeah. you play what's the kobold's name? If you play oh, Rock, Rogue Rock. Rock then it won't reduce the flashback cost at
1: all. Yeah. Again, but if you have rog and a partner that is Kamal, huge, yeah, then, then, then it does time, because it's any commander that you Control and the cool thing is it doesn't need to be on the battlefield. Can't be in your hand, but it could just be sitting in your command zone, which means that even probably if is it, if it's high CMC. Yeah, and if it's been killed like twice, it's sitting there forever. These cards will still get their mana value reduced.
0: Okay, so there are five of these, one for each color. There is Visions of Glory, which is the white one that makes uh as many one one human tokens as creatures you control. Okay. There's the blue one, visions of duplicity that exchanges two, uh, exchanges control of two creatures you don't control. Okay. That one's weird. Uh, <laughs> Visions of Dread. Your opponent puts a creature of their choice from their graveyard onto your battlefield. Okay. Does that one seem... seems... I think that one seems great. Because yeah. it's only two and a black. True, true. So even if you only get like three one drops, it's still pretty good.
1: Yeah, if it's two and a black and your commander is Kamal or whatever, it, then it's... Sorry, Kamal and the Well, black the part. initial cost of just two and a black, play
0: it. Not bad is pretty good and yeah. then the fact that you can flash it back is just kind of gravy yeah so you could have this effect twice for five mana i mean a lot of times you're deck. gonna get like a secure tribe elder and a couple other random creatures that got milled or something and mm-hmm. some if somebody's self-milling sometimes they don't have a choice they're just like i have to give you the shield it's all that's there
1: yeah that's true yeah um yeah and there's ways to also selectively sort of get rid of people's graveyards too at this point there's lots of graveyard hate um the next is visions of ruin which makes red one. each opponent sack an artifact for each artifact sacrifice this way you create a treasure token doesn't seem that good
0: i think it's pretty I think think this is okay it's not great but like you kill three things almost always almost always like mana rocks and stuff for yeah. running around and, get and you three get three treasures, treasures Yeah, so so you... it really only
1: costs you one red yeah and then the last one is visions of dominance it's the green one and you get a plus and one plus counter on a creature then you double those counters then that one is definitely not exciting
0: very niche and because you have to be in a one-on-one counters deck because just putting you know one one counter, and then another one one counter on something is not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the black one's actually quite good, and I could see being played just in general because two in a black, each of your opponent chooses a creature in their mm-hmm. graveyard, and you get that creature. No, it's target opponent. Oh, I thought it was each opponent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I I read it wrong because each opponent is on the red one. It's on the red one, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right, well that makes it way worse. Never mind, I'm off. I'm off the black one now. (laughs) Now, notably, if your commander is six CMC, then the flashback cost is going to be two white white or blue blue or whatever. If it's five CMC, then it's going to be three white white blue blue. So these aren't necessarily unplayable if you have a lower CMC commander. But I think they are. They get way better and that's why I think Visions of Dread slash Visions of Ruin are the only closest one that kind of are I think okay. Visions of Ruin is still good, but I'm off yeah. black one now. I've never it. seen the blue effect do anything cool, but maybe we just haven't had in our play group. Because there are times when someone plays an Eldrazi and you can be like, switch that with a 1-1 elf.
0: But then so your, one of your other opponents still has an Eldrazi. Yeah, like, exactly. You don't get the Eldrazi. And it
1: doesn't give you immunity from that card either, so they could still swing it
0: willy-nilly I mean, you could, want. you can you can make like Sholo and like, try and make a deal. Like, hey, if I give you that Eldrazi, will you probably promise not to swing it at me. Let's not make like Sholo because I died to Sholo. (laughs) Spoiler alert. All right. um, Okay. So those are the two (laughs) cycles. We've gone through the Planeswalkers. Uh, We have all the the cards uh, in the various colors to go here, but we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. All right, we're back. We're talking about the cards in your 99. Bounds, bam. Bounds, bounds. Okay. The cards in your 99 from Midnight Hunt. If you didn't catch that, That's or if you be just started the video halfway through, that'd be weird. Uh, all right, we're going to start with the uh, white cards here. We're going to go through all the colors, then we'll do multicolored, colorless, mm-hmm. and lands. Um, we'll do it in Wuborg order to make it easy. This first one's pretty interesting. It's one of the best white comments ever printed, I think. So it is Cathar Commando. One in a white for a 3-1 human soldier with flash, but you can pay one, sack it, and destroy target
1: artifact or enchantment. So two and a white, basically flash speed, you get to blow up an artifact or enchantment. So this is a- obvious comparisons to
0: Reclamation Sage. But in white. Yeah, I think it's better in some ways than Rex Sage, right? In that mm-hmm. it has flash and Rexage does not have flash. So that's a pretty big thing because often somebody plays an enchantment or artifact. Yeah. And, you know, you need to get rid of it like on the spot because if they get to use it, then you're going to be in trouble. Um, so that part's good. But it, I, I would say that having to sack the creature is generally not as good as an ETB effect. Even though white and, depending on what you pair with, have ways to kind of replay this thing right, from the yeah, graveyard yeah, yeah, yeah. and get it back. I, I think it's generally better to have an ETB that... Maybe that's not even right.
1: Is it easier to blink than it is to reanimate? Maybe that's not true. I would say also like green cards love to get stuff back from the graveyard to your hand yeah. and white is shown a lot more times of like to get stuff back from your graveyard to the battlefield that's Which could still be good yeah so i think oh, it's yeah, actually it is. kind of a split
0: it, it is a two
1: cmc so yeah sun titans and the yep uh the difference in this is that cathar commando has flash so it has to enter first so everyone sees it and then you have to pay the uh the cost to sacrifice so there are actually two steps uh, a card like cross and grip for instance hits it Tops the stack entirely. So, Cuthard command opens up like a couple of windows for people to interact with it or do they things in response. It they
0: could do that at Rexage, though.
1: Yeah, so I think, I don't know. I think Rexage is, they're still very specific because I think Enter the Battlefield is still really powerful, but I would argue that Cathar Commando is one of the best removal spells in white, especially Mono White for problem cards. And the fact that we're comparing it to Rexage, which is a very highly played card.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Rexage just is a very good card that a lot of decks use. Well, White getting a card that's at least in the argument for as good as the that mm-hmm. card is is pretty good so I, I like cathar's
1: commando i think we're gonna see it on the battlefield quite a bit yep and it has command in its name so we have to like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this next one is really interesting
1: yeah it's curse of silence it's one white mana for an enchantment or a curse enchant player as Curse of silence enters the battlefield choose a card name players or spells with the chosen name enchanted player cast cost two more mana to cast Whenever Enchanted Player casts a spell with the chosen name, you may sacrifice Curse of Silence if you do draw a card. Now, you might think, wait, why is this good for Commander? Well, there's always going to be one spell that your opponents probably want to cast, and that's And you know what it is, too. You're not guessing, like, is that in your hand? Yep, it's Cathar Commando, the one in the white card we just know. Yeah, it's their Commander itself. Yeah, you just look over in their command zone and go, well, I know you want to cast that card. I'll just name that one. And create an instant command tax on it, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, this is pretty interesting and I think could be quite powerful especially against really powerful decks um, like the Narsets and the Solvalas uh-huh. and there's certain decks that I think you know you know when that commander hits the battlefield it's going to take over the game and you're going to have to either destroy it on site mm-hmm. um, or, or you, you risk losing on their next turn or whatever the Corvalds and the thing like, right. like that and uh, with like my strategy with those commanders is usually like hold my removal try and kill it the first time and this kill it immediately the second time and then by then they have probably been set far enough back that you have a chance in that game and this can sort of pre-kill it, right? right? Pre-slow them down, where you're like, turn one, boom, Corvald. Now you're like, oh... We can take a breath here because they have at least an extra turn probably or maybe even
1: two before they'll be able to get the commander out. Right, you'll slow them down just enough. This is also really good against decks like Shadowborn Apostles because yep. you don't have to sacrifice the Curse of Silence when the player casts the spell. It can just be a permanent tax on that card. Uh, the fact oh, that boy, this does... Shadowborn Apostles or Dragon's Approach, it's brutal. Yeah, <laughs> but it is kind of cool that this does replace itself so it's not a dead card, but it does require the player. Sometimes the player just might not cast their commander too, which I've seen happen plenty of times. But a lot
0: of times that's a win, right? against moldrotha like they don't cast their commander well their deck's a lot worse you know joda stuff like that Mm -hmm. so and then the fact that once they finally get it out and this is like not doing anything at that point you can cash it in for the card and then maybe you you know deal with the commander in another way or maybe you've slowed down enough that you're more set up than you would be I, i i actually like this card quite a bit
1: yeah it's definitely an interesting thing especially for the more mono white or the two color white builds this gives i think a pretty interesting option that it plays in a very different way you don't see this kind of effect very often
0: yeah there are other cards that allow you to name cards and just they cannot cast those cards and yep. those feel more mean than this this is like in a nice middle area where it's like listen i'm not stopping you from ever playing it i'm just yeah, making yeah, it yeah. a little bit harder and i think that's more palatable to most people than something like is it nevermore that's just like yep. hey until you Players get rid of this champion you just it. cannot cast it yeah i don't
1: is, think people um, will be too upset if you curse of silence them especially if their commander is really powerful that doesn't seem like something to me that's going to be like a, uh, a game breaker if that makes sense hopefully people get upset about all kinds of things so you never know that's true but i don't i don't think it would be super warranted in that case all right one more card from white here yeah surprisingly this is actually a really interesting card it's vanquish the horde is that audric on the front it is six white white for a sorcery this spell costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield destroy all creatures white could cost white white yeah white blasphemous act right yeah when you're casting a board white what's the chances there are at least six creatures on the battlefield pretty good right in commander super good i mean very rarely would you need to cast a board wipe if there's only like two or three creatures yep and the regular rate that white has for board wipes is four mana wipe the board uh yeah. only cards like Doomscar in recent history have sort of beaten that and gotten down to one white white the Anchorage of the horde could potentially be just white white mana i think most of the time it'll be something close to that maybe one, one white one white. yeah it, it
0: feels like you would almost never need it in a situation where it's at least wrath of god where it's two white white right mm-hmm. uh I really like this because in general, the downside of playing a board wipe is that you use so much mana on the board wipe that it's hard for you to be the first one to redeploy your stuff. So one of the reasons blasphemous act is so good and gets played in almost all red decks is because the efficiency of one red mana kill all the creatures means that you kill all creatures and then you're the first one to repopulate the board. You're like, okay, now play two or three creatures Mm -hmm. and everybody else is kind of behind you. Whereas if you play a big high mana cost board wipe, you go board wipe go and everybody else puts the stuff back on the board before you do. Um, So I like this a lot. I think it, instantly becomes one of the best this feels like a staple besides the ones one. that can be one-sided like um, austere command and things like yeah, that yeah, yeah. this feels like the best white board wipe all of a sudden is it better than wrath of god oh yeah
1: yeah. I think it's not even close. I, I mean, so too. it doesn't say it can't be regenerated, but that bit rarely comes up. Yeah. yeah. The only times I could see this being bad is like one-on-one situation. You're just top decking cards. They play a creature that needs to die and the board wipe is acting like a single target removal spell. But
0: Yeah, against the like Narset type decks where like it has hexproof, so you really need a board wipe to get rid of it. Yeah, This doesn't look great because you usually want your four mana board wipe to just get rid of one creature, but that's pretty rare these days that that's really what you're trying to do with a board wipe. Yeah, true. Yeah. All right. Uh, Those are all the white cards that we're going to talk about. Again, we're trying to pare this down. So we're going to go to blue here and we only have two blue cards we want to talk about. All right. The first one is Sludge Monster three blue blue for a horror five five. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you put a slime counter on up to one target creature and then non horror creatures with slime counters on them lose all abilities and have base
1: power and toughness. 2-2 two, two. okay this is a really interesting card because it's uh, you know similar to a card that i hate which is humility yeah but this only does it on single things one at a time hopefully no one has a changeling or a horror out because it does not get sludged um but it's true. if
0: you're like oh man the one creature i really want to turn off is a horror mirror entity is like nope <laughs> what kind of bad luck sucker. is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh
1: but being able to just get rid of everything and make something a toughness 2-2 two, two forever or at least until this leaves the battlefield is interesting seems like a fun card to flicker maybe with brago or rune Yeah, I also think, um, because it's on attack and
0: ETB too. Yeah. So you can get some attacks in. It's very powerful, this effect on commanders in general, because people are used to having to recast so the commander dies or whatever, but Mm -hmm. you know, you can do sort of a song of the dryads type of deal here where it is a two two so they can block with it or whatever to try and make it die so they can recast it or whatever. But then maybe you can get put another uh sludge counter on it by attacking or or whatever. Um and again, I think there's some uses here that'll be interesting. It is five mana. It's it's
1: a it's a high cost for this type of effect. And they can just kill the sludge monster. So yeah. Yeah. And notably when you blink it, the moment it's off the battlefield, all those creatures return to being normal. They just have a weird slime counter on them. And then when it comes back in they're like, oh gosh and turn back into tutus um so they can do something in that moment they're like the the senator or whatever from the first x-men movie oh <laughs> and he just turns into just the, yeah, the yeah the water or whatever okay next up is curse of surveillance it's a four in the blue enchantment or a curse enchant player at the beginning of enchanted players upkeep any number of target players other than that player each draw cards equal to the number of curses attached to that player okay it's another curse uh definitely a great way to just make one person uh you know if they're the arch enemy it's like your arch enemy josh i'm gonna cast this on you on your upkeep i choose all of us players to draw a card uh, for each curse attached to you
0: it's um (laughs) i'm not trying to think about it because it's five mana and i don't want my five mana card to
1: draw my opponent's cards it can choose just you by the way uh, oh, you, can, you yeah, get to choose any, any number? number of It doesn't say you players. choose, though. Uh, but I believe it's because it's you control the enchantment. You get to say any number of target players other than uh, that player. Oh, okay. Because so other than that player.
0: Oh, okay. So you can actually just make deals, too. Like, hey, you want to draw cards? You want to draw cards? All right. Yeah. Well, what's, what are you going to give me? Yeah. Oh, that part, that makes it a lot better. Now you can turn it to show yeah he's but, our, he's my go-to like political guy now because that crater hook move was so sweet
1: <laughs> insane yeah, yeah so but this is five mana still and it's you have lot. to wait until their upkeep so you couldn't you know it's gonna be faster than waiting for the full turn cycle so i think um, it's still a little expensive for what it's doing but it's kind of cool yeah it's super interesting I, I wish it were like four or even three mana because
0: the base usage is going to be this allows you to draw one extra card per turn mm-hmm. on their turn yeah yeah Per rotation.
1: Yeah, per rotation. Yeah.
0: I, obviously, if you're in a curse deck, it gets way better because you might have three or four curses on them and then it's five mana draw three or four. Yeah, this by America. itself,
1: not so much, yeah. but in the curse deck, I think this is kind of cool. Especially if it's like, goes to your upkeep, everyone draws four cards or whatever. <laughs> if you really need that one answer to
0: that one thing, you can help people find it maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. That's going to do it for the blue cards. We're moving on to black here. Our first card is Ghoulish Procession. And then Common. It's one in a black for a... Enchantment. I found this to be quite good and limited. Whenever one or more non token creatures die, anybody's not just yours, you create a two-two black zombie creature token with decayed, and then this ability triggers only once each turn. So you can get up to one extra zombie, but it has decayed per turn. The fact that there's only two mana is what I think makes it like pretty usable. Yeah. And it really turns into... You can sort of sack your non-token stuff twice mm-hmm. in Aristocrats decks. Also just gives you incidental value um, from other creatures dying on the battlefield. And be the fact that it's a 2-2 decayed zombie and it can only happen once, I don't think your opponents are going to play around it as much as they might some other yeah. effects. Yeah, I think they're
1: just going to be like, whatever, just get the 2-2. It's just like Smothering tither, They're like, fine, have a treasure. Yeah. In this case, though, if your deck is going to take advantage of having all the sack fodder, so the Corvold decks or oh, yeah. any of the decks right. that run... Frexian, Ultra Rational's Ultra of Ultra Dementia. This is just a great way to just sort of accrue value over time. I could totally see this if you get this down turn two, making like, you know, 20 zombies by the end of the game.
0: Yeah, even just slowly, just like, oh, make one in on your turn because you're always sacking something and then make one other throughout the course or whatever's happening on the other... Yeah. players turns and before you know it
1: that's kind of, kind of accrues a lot of value if you have Ashnod's altar each turn cycle you could get up to potentially six more mana th- from three different creatures dying on right you have turns. to do it on everybody's turn but you could you could definitely make that work yeah in general i think creatures probably they are generally dying on the battlefield in one way or the other secret tribe or whatever it is so Gulch procession sees a lot of those makes you a lot of tokens i like it
0: And Aristocrat's one of the most popular strategies out there, so I think we're going to be
1: seeing this card a decent amount. All right. All right, this next one's a fun one. It's Lord of the Forsaken. Four black black for a 6-6 creature demon with flying and trample. Flample. You can pay a black to sacrifice another creature. Target player mills three cards. And you can pay one life to add colorless mana and spend this mana only to cast a spell from your graveyard. Pay one life, add colorless mana is channel. Yep, that card's banned. Now
0: it's restricted mana. You can only use that to cast things from your graveyard. But still, that's not a super high bar to clear, right? There's a lot of ways to play cards out of your graveyard, like
1: especially in black.
0: Yeah, and there's just a lot of mechanics that do it too. There's the, um, you know, there's flashback, of course, which is in this Mm -hmm. set. And then there's all kinds of like underworld breach, carador, yogmoth's will, kess. uh, So this card seems like it's going to be extremely powerful because. I play Treasonous Ogre in decks, and that's pay three life for a mana, and that card feels broken when you do it. This is pay one life for a mana.
1: Yeah, and it feels like, okay, don't overrate it because it's only cards from your graveyard, but if you're in the deck that is doing this even to a small degree, you are all in on this, I think.
0: Yeah, if you've got Past in Flames, Underworld Breach, Yagamoth's Will type stuff in your deck, because this with Underworld Breach feels like it could very easily be incredibly broken, because not only can you pay the life for the mana you can also mill yourself for the cards for the escape cost Mm -hmm. so there's gotta be uh, listen I didn't go super deep on it uh, thinking about it but there's gotta be some combo where like there's either a fully colorless spell or one that only has one colored pip in it that you can sort of more or less go infinite with you know or or do something very, very powerful Broken. very early by spending 30 life. Right.
1: Yeah. All right, audience, this is your quiz for the day, then. You have of the Forsaken out, you have Underworld Breach, and you have a Death Render. You can choose any commander that fits those color identities. What would be a fun... I guess, degenerate, or broken, or... Fun! <laughs> <laughs> powerful <laughs> way to use Lord of the Forsaken. Maybe you don't even need Death Render. Let us know. It would be interesting. Or maybe it's like a Nim's Death Mantle type thing. There's yeah. a lot of interesting things to be done here. seems
0: like it's a good piece of the puzzle because it gives you pay
1: life for the black part mm-hmm, of spells. Mm-hmm. So and now then you got pay
0: life for the colors, pay life for the black
1: yeah and then there's also the card that gives you cards every time you pay life for something too so maybe there's that yeah
0: i I just think this card is very very powerful i don't know all the combos off the top of my head but there's gonna be a bunch and in general i just think it'll be good if you if you look at your deck and you're like hey i have 20 ways to play things out of graveyards or whatever then this card probably wants to be in there yeah
1: totally all right Ooh, next up is i think oh this card's really one of the most exciting cards i've seen in quite a while it's also legendary which is interesting because it means it can get searched up by a lot of different cards in these colors yeah all right it's called the meat hook massacre the Meat
0: Hook Massacre. Gross. You know, before we explain the card, if you're looking at the art, Gabby Sparts on Twitter noticed something that I had thought about when I first saw the card, too. That um, that hook in the foreground, it yeah. looks like a monkey. <laughs> Two arms and a head. <laughs> it that's, really does. When I first looked at it, that's I can't stop seeing that, but it's actually like a hand being poked
1: through with a hook. Yeah. But yeah anyway that's i just want to call that out One okay that monkey's legs is longer or the tail is wrapped <laughs> or it's it. just like yeah bending its leg you know yeah it's like mid-action it's like flying towards camera exactly as monkeys do they kind of do th- yeah, 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 yeah 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 anyway sorry or had- child loves do okay <laughs> um it's x black black for a legendary enchantment enchantment i thought this was a sorcery the first time i read it me too and i was astounded when i read it again and again and again yeah okay when the meat hook massacre enters the battlefield each creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn
0: that's actually just pretty good, just by itself. That's black sun zenith is already kind of worse than that. Yep. In that it's X, it's black 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 in X to do that. This is black black in X to do
1: that. Yeah. But then they're not done. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Aristocrats. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you gain one life.
0: Now, remember, it's an enchantment. So it comes out, it gives everything negative x negative x and then it stays on the battlefield having that sort of Zulaport cutthroat effect blood artist effect on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned something here which is interesting and a little annoying about this card in that <laughs> when a creature dies, you have to clock whether it's yours or somebody else's and, and then the effect is slightly things. different. Yeah. And,
1: and l- and like keeping track of that is honestly like a pain in the butt. Yeah, it's already hard enough with all of the other aristocrat effects that are different. Like zulaports a little different than Blood Artist. Yeah, and this is definitely different than Mean Hook Massacre. So if you're playing this deck, you need to be on your triggers. Uh, it's a, a lot of accounting. I wish it, they were all more similar.
0: I understand this makes it slightly less powerful of a yeah. trigger, and they're trying to probably like, well, if it's just Blood Artist, that's way too good. So how do we blah blah blah? Yeah, but make it a little... How do we make it different than Bastion of Remembrance or whatever? But anyway. I mean, the outcome, though, is that this card is extremely powerful.
1: Yeah, so let's do the power rankings between... To- I think this immediately becomes the second best black board wipe. That's, I'm going to say that at the start. Okay, go. Okay, so we have Toxic Deluge. That's the first one Black Sun Zenith, Meat Hook Massacre, and Damnation. I think those take the top four spots of black board wipes now. Maybe you could add in, like, the the ones that are like draw cards a free of pain to create pain types but honestly and garrick's wake just i think it's one-sided but it costs nine mana minus x minus x is one of my favorite things to see get rid of
0: indestructible and that matters all the time
1: yeah i think this is better than black sun's zenith
0: most of the time i think so too um just because it costs less mana and it has a two additional like effects that stick around after it's gone yeah I do believe Toxic Deluge is better just because for 3 mana, you can usually wipe the entire board. This is going to cost you, you a lot more You have to pump mana.
1: mana into it. Yeah, I would actually put Damnation almost before Black Sun Zenith because just having a 4 mana yeah. board wipe in black is very good.
0: I, I, I agree with you because Black Sun Zenith, to get rid of the whole board, often costs like 8 mana. Yeah. Or um, more. Or more, yeah. So, but I think this is better than Damnation because I think that the fact that you get the Aristocrats triggers mm-hmm. on an enchantment after this resolves just puts it ahead of it enough that it, it's just definitely worth it
1: i love the monkey massacre because <laughs> look the poor monkey it, it's like the guy in the back is trying to kill another monkey and yeah. like i will get, get out of here, here. <laughs> it's get me out of here okay that's gonna that, do we're it per- gonna see the hell out of the meat hook massacre there's gonna be a lot of those running i around think so too yeah. yeah uh it's gonna be definitely a good one to pick up on the channel 5 marketplace. okay all okay. right next up we are moving into red two cards here the first is moon veil regent Three in a red for a creature dragon four four flying. Whenever you cast a spell, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw a card for each of that spell's colors. And when Moonveil Regent dies, it deals X damage to any target, where X is the number of color among permanents you control. All right, that last line of text not that relevant. The middle one though, after flying, this is actually interesting because if you're in a deck that wants to get down to a very low number of cards in hand or just have zero. Then, every time you cast a spell, it's basically cantripping itself. If it's one color. if you cast a
0: spell, you have no cards in hand, so you're like, yeah, I'll discard my no cards to draw one. Draw a card, yeah. Yeah. And that's if if it's monocolored, yeah.
1: If it's two-colored, then you get to draw two cards.
0: So, there's not a lot of commander decks that just are going to be hellbent that often,
1: though. No, no, no. But I think if you're playing like Locust God or Arjun, the Shifting Flame, those are the ones that want to discard your hand. Mind Moil, is that the name of the card? Yeah. So, there's a lot of, I think, use of it in that world. I honestly think this might just seem more like standard history. Historic play, because it's a mono-red aggro deck. They get down to just Moonvale region on the board. Top deck, great. cast a draw spell, top deck.
0: Uh, the one one thing is there are some decks running around that care about, like, um, they're kind of like multicolored tribal. Yeah. How many colors are in the things, you know, Ramos, things like that. Right. So this might be, like, really good in those decks. Because those ones, you're, you're saying... If I'm below two cards, most of the cards in my deck are either five color or three color. Yeah. And we'll just sort
1: of cycle through that way. Cast a five color spell, draw five cards, discard your hand. That's like looking closer to Wheel of Fortune status. Yeah. And if you have some flashbacks and play from your graveyard, Underworld Breaches, if you have
0: some um, madness cards or whatever, you're also discarding those cards. So there could be some usage there. Yeah.
1: interesting card interesting card indeed
0: this next one is not super interesting in that this effect has existed for a while but it hasn't really existed in red like this yeah mono red specifically yeah so it's ardent Elementalist three in a red for a 2-1 human shaman when it enters the battlefield return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand this is basically archaeomancer but better because it's not two blue pips in it it's just three and red yeah so i mean archaeomancer sees i think we wrote it down here um it is in twenty four thousand decks on EDHREC. Wow, which is a lot—like seven or eight percent of all decks with blue. So I believe this will be a very stapley card. And the types of things you can do with Ardent Elementalist in Commander, this effect can actually often be better than something like Snapcaster Mage because mm-hmm. you don't have to exile the card after you use it. So you get it back to your hands, and then you use it, and then if you blink Ardent Elementalist, or maybe the card you played, you know, blinks Ardent. Like imagine it's Ghostly Flicker. Yeah, and you go boom, Ghostly Flicker. You flicker Arden Elementalist and something else, get Ghostly Flicker back to my hand again, do the same thing, and you can get into those types of loops. These cards are very powerful.
1: Yeah, I might put this in my Neheb deck because there are Mm -hmm. a lot of times you just want that, you know, one in a red, each opponent takes three damage spell back because it just gives you so much mana um the or two in red each opponent takes three damage yep, yeah 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 the <laughs> dragon's approach yep. oh gosh I, maybe i should just make it in the head dragon's approach that. it's probably really good it probably is you really good Get
0: nine mana back every time you cast
1: one yeah <laughs> um another thing to note is that red typically has this with randomized things like charm devils uh, and so being able to specifically pinpoint the card you want is brand new for red i think i don't think this effect happens very often in red so it's pretty cool
0: yeah And and I've often played um, Archaeomancer and then Mnemonic Wall as my second one of that effect. And I think this is better than Mnemonic Wall because it's one less mana. Yep. So if you're in a blue-red spells deck or, you know, blue-red and X, you you probably replace your Mnemonic Walls with that. We're moving to green now. There's exactly one green card we're going to talk about, which I think is good because green doesn't need more good
1: cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It is... Augur of Autumn one red one red red one green green for a two three human this was red it'd be way better dude i don't even want to talk about it <laughs> okay one green green you may look at the top card of your library at any time you may play lands from the top of your library and coven as long as you control three or more creatures with different powers you may cast creature spells from the top of your library so okay what so
0: three mana for a card that says you can play lands off the top of your library uh, that card exists kind of mm-hmm. it's Corsair of Crufix, and it sees a lot of play yeah it's a very good
1: card Corsair you have to reveal the top card you don't have to here this is closer to Vizier Vizier, Vizier, Vizier. of the Menagerie yep. because you just look at the top card and if you have Coven you can cast it if it's a creature
0: yeah so it's actually a Corsair of Crufix that becomes also a Vizier of the Menagerie it once you get you know three creatures with different powers Corsair gives you some life when you play the land off the top of your library but still I think this is actually better than Corsair Crew Fix,
1: right? I think so too. The land the if you're playing a lands deck and you're getting life off the lands you get, there's probably more ways that you're benefiting off landfall and the life gain is one of, like, it's not a high percentage, like, this is the coolest part of my deck. If it's a life gain deck, obviously, I think is yeah. better, but most decks aren't. I mean, play both, Jeez, Augur of yeah. Autumn seems really freaking good, though. Um, again, I don't think green needed an additional version of this effect because we already have one. It's a advantage for green, but... Yeah, and it can be creatures, too, which is crazy. Um, but I think this is really good just in general. I, I could see this seeing a lot more play in generic, just creature decks, not necessarily landfall ones. It is also
0: a know-the-top-of-your-library card. So yep. there are decks that want to do that. I don't think this is good enough if that's all you're doing, but the fact that it lets you play land, so it's card advantage, mm-hmm. and sometimes lets you play creatures, might sort of bump it into the category where a deck that wants to know the top of its library but doesn't want Corsair of Kruphix because it doesn't have enough utility uh, might consider an Augur of Autumn because, well, now with the playing the creatures thing...
1: And knowing the top of my library, it, it's useful enough. Yeah, this uh, wins the Jimmy Wong Award of Love. Pick this card up; it seems pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, it's of all of them. Yeah, I think we're going to see it quite a bit. All right, next up, we're going to multicolored, and we only have one card here, and I chose it because it's hilarious. <laughs> the art is great. The card is also pretty good. It's Croaking Counterpart. You want to read it? Yeah, it's
0: one in one green blue, so three mana for sorcery. You create a token that's a copy of target non-frog creature, except <laughs> it's a 1-1 one, one green frog. So you basically get a 1-1 one, one with the abilities of of anything you want on the battlefield. But it has flashback for three
1: green blue, so you can do that again. Yep. So this definitely looks good to me uh, just because you get to copy any creature on the battlefield. One green blue, get a Corsair, a fix, One green blue, get a Consecrated Sphinx. One green blue, get an Eldrazi. Moldrifter.
0: Moldrifter. I think you want an ETB mostly just so it does something right now but yeah uh, i mean obviously you'll take a consecrated sphinx if that exists yeah
1: you're there. notably you're creating a token copy so the token will enter the battlefield yep. um you know i've i've recently built a volo guide to monsters deck it's all about just creating token copies of things and it seems like a good card in that because you can play it twice yeah and in that deck you
0: probably have the parallel lives and the stuff like that and just look at this tokens. art look at yep. this art incredible the art is awesome okay <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, on to colorless cards we only have one Colors card here but it's kind of a powerhouse it is moon silver key do you
1: want to read it yep two mana for an artifact you can pay one mana and tap and sacrifice moon silver key search your library for an artifact card with a mana ability or a basic land card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle okay a mana ability means it can tap and add mana to your doesn't mana have to board. tap oh you're right actually yeah so right.
0: ashon's altar for phyrexian altar oh, yeah those are mana ACI abilities
1: are mana abilities so that
0: would work yeah so or you can just get the basic land so this seems very good Yeah, I like the basic land part because you're liable to have only a certain number of artifacts that fit the bill here. Although most decks play a a lot of mana rocks, Mm -hmm. so you can always probably find something. Um, But a basic land may be better than a mana rock if you aren't going to hit your land drop otherwise. Still, people play Trinket Mage. I'll play Trinket Mage in a deck, and literally it can only find, like, Soul Ring and Sensei's Divining Top in my deck. So just, like, Moonsilver Key, mostly to find my Soul Ring or my mana crypt mm-hmm. is going to be very powerful i think a lot of people will play it just for that you pay three mana for your mana crypt basically makes it a better worn power stone or something like that um i think could be you know definitely a, a good use case for it
1: yeah this seems really powerful just because of the amount of different things you can find like the great henge also counts because it yep. creates mana and metal worker obviously but home oh, metal really worker. you
0: can even find dark steel citadel because that's an artifact that taps for mana oh yeah uh yeah you all oh, right like, it's not a basic land, but it's an artifact that
1: has a man yeah wow and then like with salt
0: monolith right if you want to go infinite on mana a lot of times that's a piece of a combo right so this can find you a combo piece
1: yes yeah, um, artifact card even those new artifact lands that are indestructible. yeah horizons too you could color fix with this too yes exactly uh
0: if you're in a werewolf deck i think you play this just so you can go find the celestis which oh, yeah. is a mana rock from the new set but it allows you to control day night cycle so this is another way to like have your control over the day-night cycle. Have a, a tutor basically does this. I mean, this is a tutor for a specific kind of cards, but those kind of cards are very good cards mana vaults and things like that, uh, Grim yeah. monoliths You know, so I I think this is going to be a card that's going to see a, a decent amount of play just because finding those certain cards, metalworker, like just alone. You know, yep. how many artifact decks just want to find their metalworker? A yeah. lot.
1: Yeah, Moon key is pretty interesting. It should grab the celestis because that's on flavor. That's <laughs> the whole point of the Moon Key, I think is yeah. to be able to unlock the celestis.
0: Okay. Uh, we're almost done here, but we have one more thing to talk about, which is lands. There's a new cycle of lands that's never existed before. They only put allied pairs, mm-hmm. uh, allied color pairs in this set. So, it's going to be one of those land cycles where probably five or ten years from now, we're going to be like, hey, can you create the rest of these? Yep. Uh, or who knows? Maybe it could just be in Crimson Valley. There's the rest of them. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, but we don't know. Uh, some people are calling these the slow lands because fast lands is a term used for the lands that come into play tapped uh uh if you control two or less lands two or less lands and this is coming into play or sorry fast lands come into play untapped if you control two or less lands yeah fast lands out the game out the gate early these
1: come into play uh tapped unless you can control two or more lands right so this is much more commander focused obviously you're going to have two lands in most commander games by turn two (laughs) you kept a three land opening hand right you should have unless your name is jimmy wong (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i I try keep five land opening hands these days (laughs) um and so i think this is going to be very very useful again there's green white white blue blue black black red and red green so if you're going around the uh, color wheel you can just go white blue blue black right so it's all of those allied lands
0: i don't play the fast myself I don't know about you because no, when never. you draw them on turn four or five they're a tap land they're a guild
1: gate you have a hundred cards you never play the fast lands I think
0: but I think I would play these every time because I can just not play them for my first two turns yeah yeah and then
1: yeah, typically fun. you're playing like the Triome or the three color land on your first turn or whatever and so by the second turn you know you're gonna want to have these lands much more than the other ones so i i think i like this quite a lot
0: yeah i think these are great i think you're gonna play these in almost all the decks that are of these colors
1: Yeah, and i always like playing the game of like can you guess the colors based on the name like haunted ridge it's like okay black red okay makes sense makes sense, makes <laughs> sense. all right all right so that does it for our set review of the cards josh what do you think is the most powerful card that we talked about today. Most powerful.
0: Always hard to quantify what powerful means. It can either mean the top-end power of the card at its most powerful, Mm -hmm. or it can mean the card that is sort of the most consistently powerful across a broad range of things, right? Like Cathar's Commando, or Cathar Commando, strikes me as a particularly powerful card, not because it does a powerful thing, but because it's so broad in its application that... It's powerful in a lot of different circumstances, right? You could use it a lot of different places. Yeah, and I think Moon Silver Key also fits that yeah. that um, mold for me, and that I think it's going to go in a lot of decks because it's going to be useful in a lot of situations. But neither of those have like super high top end power. Their their ceiling is just really low. Yeah, that's not
1: like a it's sorry. Their Urza. ceiling's really high.
0: No, ceiling's low. Floor's high.
1: There you go. The ceiling meets the floor. The floor—it's just a weird Things room. Things get
0: crushed. I don't yeah. know. It's <laughs> a m-
1: metaphor fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am probably most excited about either—it's one of the two board wipes. It's Meat Hook Massacre or Vanquish the Horde. Yeah. Um, both of them seem just like really solid playables, and you'll see a lot of them. So I, I enjoy quite those. But Moon Key—the more I think about it, I'm like that actually. It really can grab so much. It's a combo enabler. It just helps you get a soul ring too, in, in a lot of cases. Yeah, so. the
0: worst case scenario of just like go find a basic land. It's never going to be useless, right? It's never yeah. dead. And but sometimes it has these really powerful applications of just like yeah, find your soul ring.
1: Yeah. So and it can fix your mana too in a bunch of different ways, like we talked about.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, what card are you personally most excited about? Not most powerful, but you're just excited.
1: Well, I have to say the mono red one, Moonvale Regent. I've been looking to sort of rebuild the dragon deck that I have into more of a five color shell recently, and Moonvale Regent seems like a really good one to just keep the engine going late game Uh, or if you keep it three color then it also seems to be pretty okay Yeah, that's cool.
0: Um, You picked a mono red card. Good job. But a mono red card that cares about other colors. Look at that. Look at that. I'm growing. I was just going to say that exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I think Meat Hook Massacre for me, I just think the card's like very good. So, I got to buy like seven to ten of them off the Channel Fireball Marketplace Um, because uh, like every deck with black, I think, wants Meat
1: Hook Massacre. Yeah, I think so. I think so. If you play Toxic Deluge, I think you're in the same world that you would like Meat Hook Massacre to.
0: Yeah. Uh, To the listeners, what singles from midnight hunt are you the most excited about uh what cards maybe did we miss today do we not talk about that you think we definitely should have discussed that have maybe more intricacies that have more to say than just hey play this in a blink deck um tell us in the comments below about any cards that you think maybe are going to make a big
1: splashing commander we're going to see on the battlefield quite often but we didn't mention Mm -hmm. and there's quite a lot so we'd love to continue that discussion make sure you comment we want to hear what your thoughts are we're not saying those cards aren't good and shouldn't have made the set review we just decided not to talk about them
0: yeah, and, and let us know what you think about us sort of condensing the In the 99 stuff all down to one video. Do you miss the fact that we went into, talked about a lot more, but, and, but made a lot more videos? Um, those videos seem to, like, t- taper off as far as views, so I'm guessing most of the audience out there was not super excited about the, you know, fourth In the 99 set review yeah. video. So we're, that, we're trying to address that here, of course. Um, okay. We need to talk about our new sponsor, ChannelFireball.com slash command. This new marketplace thing is really, really cool. Marketplaces in general are the best place to get. They have two really big advantages. One is the inventory in a marketplace is so much higher than any single store can give you because we're not talking about one vendor. We're talking about hundreds of vendors from all over the place. And so if you want a certain card, you can always find that card. Yeah. And then marketplaces also tend to drive down the prices of everything there because they have direct competitors on that marketplace that are kind of undercutting
1: each other, driving the price down, getting you the lowest cost. Yeah, you definitely want to check it out. The marketplace is open right now. They're doing giveaways this entire month if you place an order. You can qualify. You can win some foil signed soul rings by Josh and I from those uh, GP promos. They're giving away a Black Lotus at the end of the month, plus tons of other stuff. Also, we just don't mention this enough, but they are selling other cards outside of Magic Cards. Flesh and Blood, Pokemon. So there's a lot of selection there if you're just a general card collector so check it out almost guaranteed you're going to find something that you like and hopefully at a really great price and when
0: you get that stuff that you love if you love it you don't want it to get hurt slash damaged ultra pro is Leave the, it. That is the way to go. You want to protect all of your game pieces. You want to make those uh, cards stay in pristine condition. Oh, yeah. Yep, those Eclipse sleeves are what Jimmy and I use. Satin Tower deck box is the sturdiest thing out there. You really do want to make sure that you protect all your game pieces. Ultra Pro is the way to go. Also, they have all kinds of cool stuff to just spice up your battlefield. You want some fancy mm-hmm. metal dice? Ultra Pro's got it. You want wall scrolls to hang on your wall? ultra Pro's got it so you can
1: either spice up your battlefield or your game room and i use all of their uh binders to store my collection oh well. yeah the mythic collection binders are so classy mm-hmm. too. and they have colored ones too so i color coded stuff okay oh and man I'm so OCD. organized i don't do any of that <laughs> i'm like where's the card i don't know all, all right, right. <laughs> on to the end set where we're talking about something cool outside of the world of magic this one actually is somewhat tied to the world of magic because it features two of our very good friends jacob bertrand and shola marioenia They have a brand new podcast.
0: Yeah, our two buddies who uh, are stars on the Netflix show, Cobra Kai, they just started a podcast called Lone Lobos. Nice. Where they kind of like... Just they're they're just having discussions amongst the two of them so far. I think at the time we're recording this is only one episode. I think yeah. they're going to release weekly, so there might be a couple more by now. By the time you're listening, but Shiloh and Jacob are just really cool guys, really personal guys, really charismatic yeah, mad guys. Oh, so charismatic. Yeah, so they just pick some topics and talk about it. Um, on this last one, I found it really interesting because they were talking about like online dating or internet datings. Oh, which I have to check it out then. Yeah, it's super interesting. Not just because they're sort of you know, they're they're younger. They're in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. And so, their perspective is interesting to me. But also, like, they're famous people. So, <laughs> it is interesting to hear how the world of dating, online dating works when you are like a famous 20-year-old. You yeah. Know? Someone might think of being year old.
1: catfished by them. But no, it's actually the guy from Cobra Kai <laughs> yeah. who's interested in you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, that part's pretty interesting. You know, they had a lot of interesting perspectives like that. One of the things I think they said that really struck home with me, they were talking about like online discourse and discussion and uh people posting like gifs yeah i know a lot to call it gifs sorry it's gifs. but anyway <laughs> um they were saying how like anytime i see somebody in an online conversation like use a gif i know they're old
1: because <laughs> that's oh, what old people oh, do no <laughs> no i feel seen not in the right way and i, mean, I was like i thought about it, i was like you know what it's kind of true yeah i think maybe it's because we take the time to look for the gif and search it up and then post it in and be like i think this is a good one and it's like yeah that is just old boomer-esque behavior oh yeah i got called a boomer i'm not a boomer but they said anybody over 35 is a boomer which is not true not true we're called elder millennials okay x yeah gen x yeah okay anyway someone called me a geriatric millennial the other day (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, "What? How dare you?" Wow. wow. Yeah, that was a rough one to stomach. Okay. <laughs> right. So, uh, and, and
0: I'm sure Jimmy and I will probably appear on their show at some point. They've been talking about having us out on guests. Okay, oh, cool, cool. But Lone lobos you can find it anywhere you find your podcasts, Spotify or whatever. Uh, yeah. I think I found
1: it on Spotify. So, if you're a Cobra Kai fan, definitely listen. in. I'm yeah. sure they're gonna be talking about a lot from that show. And as you well. saw them on game
0: nights and stuff. They're funny guys. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. All right. Big thanks
1: to <laughs> our amazing
0: team at here at the Command Zone, which is growing and growing. Uh, if you if you noticed a few months ago, we were hiring. We were hiring. We went through the hiring process, and a lot of those people are are starting with the team, or have started, or are soon starting. So we've got Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Asaka, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Priggen, Jamie Block, who is our new writer, Sam Waldo, Garav Galati, Truck Ty, and then we also have a couple new members who at the Time you're you're hearing this will have started, but at the time we're Ooh. recording it have not yet. Damon Lens and Shauna Gillis, and we've even got a VFX person who we'll name once he joins the team uh, is joining in a couple of weeks. So yeah, a lot of exciting stuff going on here at the Command Zone. We are definitely like increasing our size, which means we're going to be able to bring you bigger, better, and cooler content. Uh,
1: you know, here in the future, we're excited about it. And a big shout out to everyone that applied. I know that not getting a job can sometimes feel like a bummer or, or sort of like ah, darn, but. You know, applying to stuff and not getting it is a huge part of the process of life in general. Like, you know, for as an actor, I, I get rejected 99 times and get said to once, right? I've applied to tons of jobs and not gotten as it. so well. it's a great learning experience, so I hope that everyone that did apply, we really appreciate it. Yeah, that's really important. I, I like what you said there. Um, and also, you know, we had limited... Uh,
0: job opportunities right we had one staff writer we could hire we yeah. had one you know just because we're not huge to the point where we can just hire everybody and, and there's going to be more people that are called than we can hire yeah and there i mean there was many more we had uh, over a thousand people apply for all the jobs wow. so just going through it was such a thing and there was often a point where like you know we have to choose one person but we have many qualified candidates so just because you didn't get it doesn't mean anything it's just some of that is a little bit luck of the draw uh and we did try to let everybody know um, that we mm-hmm. had chosen the position, so you're not sitting there waiting. But if you hadn't heard already or gotten the email, and you did apply, like at this point, all the positions are filled. So we did keep everyone's name on file, and there was a lot of people who were like, "Listen, if I got to hire two or three people, I would easily hire these people." So that that means that in the future, maybe we contact you and we're like, "Hey, we didn't, you know, last time it didn't happen, but
1: maybe there's an opportunity now." Keep your head up. Keep, keep on your head trying. Up. All right, uh, no, special thanks to Jeffrey Bomber. does the Living Card animations that live behind us on set often and start our show on our YouTube channel. You can find him at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. Did you just, do this one? No, what this was, was Patrick. Man. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, spooky. <laughs> oh. That's probably the last time we ho- ho- howl for a while. Yeah, so. we're not the Lone Lobos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Peace.